Hello, my name's Jason. I'm not an archaeologist, but I do play one on TV. So come join me as we go into the dust. <laughs> Hey everyone, or as this is episode zero and I don't yet have an audience, hello, no one. Dear Diary, welcome to Into the Dust, my archaeology podcast. In this episode, I just want to introduce myself and answer a few basic questions about how all of this is going to go. So, first of all, who am I? My name is Jason Cohen. I'm a a middle-aged man who last year decided to leave behind my entire career in life to study archaeology. I know uh, it's in the name of the podcast, but anyway, no suspense there. So I left everything to study archaeology. So what did I leave? What was my life and career like before archaeology? Well, uh, I was born and raised in the New York City area, and that's where I grew up. And I was always interested in the world around me from a young age. Um, You know, New York is the center of the universe, but actually I was always outwardly focused. And um, that got me into international politics, international affairs. That's what I was interested in going into university. I went to a very special place to study that called the School of Foreign Service at Georgetown. in Washington, D.C. Now, that was a very special time for me. Uh, I got to work in the Capitol. I got to work in the White House. I took classes and heard speeches from world leaders like Madeleine Albright, Hamid Karzai, Elie Wiesel. Um, But at the same time, it was also kind of a rough time. You see, my very first day of my very first internship Uh, which was just about half a block away from the White House, was September 11th, 2001. And of course, everything changed that day. And I became much more interested in sort of security affairs. So I had every intention of going to grad school for that, which I I did. Uh, In between my undergrad and postgrad, I took a little bit of a hiatus and I ran off to China to teach English, uh, learn Chinese. I then did investment banking in Hong Kong for a year. Didn't think I'd like it, didn't like it, but great thing to have on a resume, good money. So I go back to grad school, also in Washington, D.C., at a place called the School of Advanced International Studies. Now, I studied something very unhelpfully named uh, Strategic Studies, which was basically military and intelligence. Uh, I was studying to be a spy. My first job off after, offer after that was in the CIA. Uh, I didn't take it. And if I did, I'd, I'd have to kill you all. But let's just say I decided to work for the private sector, even though I had been preparing to work for the government for all those years. So I got into a very particular kind of business called management consulting. Now, what management consulting does is you work with CEOs of big companies to help them solve their problems. You're like a hired brain. It's a work hard, play hard kind of environment. Um, I was traveling like 150, even 200 days a year, working 80 hours a week. Very, very busy, but lots of fun. And uh, I did that for quite a number of years. Um, I also worked in some some businesses as well. And now we're going to go all the way up to the year 2017. I had to spend some time with my parents over those next couple of years, getting older, getting sicker, some family stuff. And then I finally get back to Hong Kong, which is where I'd been living. My whole career was in Asia. I'm a permanent resident there. 
the day I got there, uh, those riots that you may have heard about on the news blew out onto the scene. And that only ended because of COVID. And in Hong Kong, COVID lasted a long time. In fact, uh, the outdoor mask mandate, imagine wearing masks outdoors in tropical weather. For those of you who had to do that, it's not fun. That lasted until March of 2023. Me, I'm super social, I'm hyperactive. I'm locked in my little apartment, which in Hong Kong was a palatial 400, 450 square feet. Everything stopped. Couldn't go out, couldn't go to the gym. And I began to go a little crazy as a result. Um, I also, at the same time, if you remember COVID, that was during that crazy election of 2020 in the U.S., so whenever you turned on the TV, it was always COVID this, election craziness that, and I just had it. So me with my background, I had been a news junkie. I just sort of like deleted my Google accounts. I didn't want those push notifications anymore. And I'm stuck at home because everything is closed. And I needed something to read and something to watch. So the algorithm didn't know what to send me because I had no more history anymore. Um, and just pretty soon I started reading and watching a lot of archaeology. And now I had always been interested in history. I never thought too much about archaeology. But pretty soon I was binge watching old episodes of Time Team, which if you don't know it is like the best archaeology reality TV show ever. Uh, I got a subscription to Archaeology Magazine uh, and I was just reading all kinds of archaeological content. And then I started thinking about all my travels. I've been to over 70 countries in the world, and a lot of that actually had revolved around archaeology. I just didn't realize it. And that would include the really big sites that you've heard of, like the pyramids and Petra, some really, really remote sites like Rapa Nui or Easter Island. I had even planned on going to a part of the Federated States of Micronesia to visit a site called Non Madol in the middle of the Pacific, but I had to cancel that because of COVID. I went to little sites um, in places that aren't particularly well known for archaeology, like Portugal. And I even started discovering archaeology in my own backyard. There was a hiking trail I used to love to go to in, in Hong Kong. And uh, one day, I remember I sort of went a little bit off the path to uh, some signage. And there was actually a Neolithic stone circle there. Now, before you get too excited, this was not Stonehenge. It basically looked like a, an old fire pit. However, this thing was really old. I don't even know, you know, there was very little information, but I think it was something like seven to 9,000 years old and pretty accessible and nobody knew about it. And it was really difficult to find any, you know, information. And after that, you know, during those COVID years when there was nothing to do but go out and about uh, in the wilderness, I found a bunch of other sites like that in Hong Kong. Again, I didn't discover them. They were marked, but nobody really knew about them and there was very little information. So even in my own backyard in a big city, I started discovering archaeology. Now, after something like two years of that pandemic, because it really did last forever in Hong Kong, I'd absolutely had it. Um, and I just decided I needed to do something very different with my life. I needed to leave there. I needed to do something somewhere else that was outdoors where I could get in touch with nature and my mind and my body. And I did some blue sky thinking about if I could be a kid again and grow up all over again, what would I do? And it came to me pretty quickly, given all the stuff that I was reading and watching. 
I was going to be an archaeologist. I had no idea how to do that. How do you become an archaeologist? Well, I found a very special program um, at a place that's very near and dear to my heart, right in London. London's a great city, one of my favorite places to be. Now, it's at the University College London, one of the top archaeology schools in the world. And it allows people who don't have an archaeological background to sort of take some bridge classes and then go straight into the master's. And that's what I'm doing right now. I started my master's. The program is called Graduate Diploma of Archaeology. So uh, I got accepted to that. And in 2022, I found myself jumping on a plane to study archaeology. Pretty wild ride. So why am I doing this? Why a podcast? Well, that's actually pretty simple. Uh, as I said, during those really down times during COVID, it was popular archaeology, reading and listening and watching archaeology, not for archaeologists, that really, really got me enthusiastic about the topic. So that's what I'd like to share with you. And I already have plenty of forums to write. I do a lot of writing with my classes. Uh, I have to actually stop talking as much about archaeology to my friends and family because they're a little tired of it already. So this is just gives me a creative outlet where I can share my love of the subject with anyone who wants to listen. You know, it's a labor of love. It keeps me off the streets, but it really gives me a nice outlet for all of my enthusiasm. I'm still figuring out what I want to do and what I want to focus on in my career and maybe even further in academia. But this, this podcast, this is something I know I would like to do. So what does archaeology mean to me and why do I want to share it with you? Well, this is something a lot of academic archaeologists don't like to admit, but I just really like old stuff. I like learning about old stuff. I like reading about old stuff. I like visiting old stuff. And I really want to dig up some old stuff. And in that sense, it's really just kind of a pet hobby. And that actually is true for a lot of archaeologists. But obviously, if they're going to do that for a career, it has to be something more than that. Now, this is going to get a little bit heavy, but I'm going to give you my why story. So uh, way, way back in 2008, when I decided not to work for the government, the reason for that was I had become really disillusioned with politics. And I realized it was bigger than politics. It was more like the society. I saw that civil society was beginning to break down. And this coincided with really the rise of the Internet. And then a few years after that, the rise of the smartphone. Um, and what started happening was people stopped talking to each other. You know, they went into their little corners of the internet. You didn't even have to go outside to buy things. You just get it ordered in. Um, and life just became very kind of dehumanized. And that started happening more and more with each year. And then obviously COVID-19 turbocharged that. Now, that's a really complicated topic with a lot of causes and uh, a lot of potential solutions. But two books that actually impacted me a lot on this topic was one was almost 25 years ago now called Bowling Alone. Uh, that was about the breakdown of civil society, whether it be going to church, card playing groups, and of course, uh, bowling leagues, um, and how people just began to be disengaged with society. The second one, which was, uh, I think, sometime in the mid-20-teens, was called Why Liberalism Failed. Same thing about why liberal democracy sort of wasn't really functioning anymore. 
Now, both of those books, I think, are pretty upfront in saying they don't really have a solution, and it's a very complicated topic. But one thing they both agreed on was the solution is local. It's about reintegrating with the people right around us. It's about learning an appreciation for our place, the place where we live, what came before us. Of course, that's uh, even a stronger urge if you're kind of living where your whole family background is, but most people aren't anymore. So learning about the place where you live, getting connected with the land and the people around you. This will give us some sense of identity and belonging with where we are. Way back, people used to have shared religion. They went to church or temple or whatever together, shared labor. There was actually community tasks that people did together. There was military service, things that brought people together. And we just don't have that anymore. So what does archaeology have to do with all of that? Well, archaeology is what gives our place where we are history. It's something unique to each locality, but every place has it. And the further and further you go back, that uniqueness blends into similarity. If you go way, way back to the Paleolithic, Mesolithic, Neolithic age, life all over the planet looks pretty similar. People were hunter-gatherers. Um, they slowly settled into farming and then early settlement and urbanism and were off to the races. All of humanity went through that process more or less. So whereas archeology span gives our locality an identity that's unique, it also wraps all of humanity up into a common story that we all share. It's a story of war, slavery, toil and suffering, but also of rising affluence and discoveries and science and things that made all of our lives a lot better over time to where we are today. As time moves forward, the places we belong, either because we were born there or we chose to live there, they all start getting their own unique character. Now, history brings that story into focus, but history is the written word. And that's actually been around a very small percentage of the hundreds of thousands of years of human existence. And even once we get into the historical period, who was doing the writing? Basically elite men. So a lot of the people are left out of the story. Moreover, what were they writing about? A lot of them tended to be religious people and officials. So they were writing about things that they thought important were important. How about people's everyday lives? That was often out of the story. How about things that they just thought were so normal they didn't think to write about them? Because, hey, everybody knew all about human sacrifice and what the people ate every day and what the king's retinue was doing. People knew those things, so they didn't bother to write them down. So there are whole huge parts of our history that are missing because they weren't deemed important. Or, as you've probably heard, history is written by the victors. So what were all the rest of those people doing? In a sense, then, archaeology is better than history because you can find the whole story out from archaeology going way, way back to our earliest hominid ancestors, all the way up until the present day in modern urban or conflict archaeology. Nobody's left out. So for me, archaeology allows us to connect with the earliest forms of humanity right up into the present day. And it's in the present day that the concept of humanity is threatened in this increasingly dehumanized world. 
as I said, we can go every day without even seeing anyone. We can get our groceries ordered in. We can work from home. We can do everything we want on our computer or right in the palm of our hand on our phone. We've taken the people out of society. And what happens in a world that's dehumanized? Well, history gives us pr plenty of examples of what could possibly happen when we dehumanize other people. I think that 2020 election is another good example. So it's a big problem. So what does this have to do with archaeology? Archaeology is the study of people through the material record. Let's say you're on some Mesolithic site. You find the jackpot, which is a house floor, and you see the hearth. From the bits of waste material, you kind of see what the people ate. And you imagine the family gathered around the hearth. There's another part of the house you can identify for sleeping and food preparation. And pretty soon, the lifeways of this ancient family, these ancient people, come back to life. Now, in the beginning, you may have just had the impression that they were some kind of cavemen whacking each other over the head with a club. But then the remains you're finding show they're a lot more than that. They're a lot like you and I. And maybe you come across a burial, which I did this summer, actually, uh, but more about that in another episode. You come across a burial. You find the meager items that people lived with at that time carefully placed around the body. People took care in placing them there. And as the dirt is coming off the body and it's now exposed, you imagine that person's loved ones, the last time the sun has ever touched this person, saying goodbye and putting the earth over the body until it was covered. And you're the first people to witness that since it happened. And then it becomes very real. You're dealing with a human being. You're taking that site filled with your imaginary cavemen and you're humanizing them. Here, uh, near South Carolina, where my mom now lives, I visited a plantation and in that plantation, they had something called the Freedom Tour. And they actually had a whole bunch of slave cabins, cabins where enslaved people live, preserved in different eras. Now, South Carolina had some of the toughest slave codes around. They prevented those people even from learning to read or write. So there's very, very little information about them from their own words. Most of what we know about those enslaved people come from their masters or other people who saw them as inferior. And how was it, did it become okay for people to keep others enslaved like that? They dehumanized them. And those slave codes took away their voices. Now, when we walk in through these cabins and we sort of see who they live, how they lived, that starts bringing them back to life for us. Recently, a few years ago, they did archaeological excavations around those houses. They started finding, again, the bits of waste material, residues, and learning a little bit more how these people live, filling in the story. Something that was a little gross that I found, uh, or I, I didn't discover it, I learned about it, was one of the most telling things they could find in those old houses were rat nests. Now, rats are prolific little hunters. They gather all kinds of things, and in their nest, it's a little gross, they urinate on stuff, and that preserves it. And those little bits and bobs tell you a lot about how those people live. So suddenly, we're beginning to learn about these enslaved people a little bit more, because remember, it's not written down from their perspective. What are we doing? We're rehumanizing them.
long after they're gone, we're beginning to tell their story or better yet, they're telling us their story through what they left behind. And that's really powerful. Region of the country, the American Southeast, recent excavations have uncovered in the wetlands old cities and settlements from Native Americans that we didn't even know existed. This is far, far back. Again, the, we're seeing these people's story who we knew very little about. So what does that have to do with the frayed state of society today? Well, what we're doing in archaeology is we are rehumanizing people. And if we could do that in this society that's becoming increasingly dehumanized, that can only be a good thing. What does that have to do with the frayed state of society today and how to fix it? Well, archaeology, in a way, is the practice of rehumanizing people. And as we practice, we get better at it. And if we can rehumanize the people from the most distant past, people who we share almost nothing with, I think humanizing people on the other side of a computer screen or a Twitter argument, that should be a piece of cake. And if that's something that archaeology can teach society today, that's a really good service. And that's something I can get behind. All of that was pretty heavy. So now let's get down to nuts and bolts. How is this podcast going to work? Well, I'm still figuring it out. So have some patience with me. But right now I envision five different kinds of modules. Number one, the ABCs of archaeology. I'll go through the alphabet, going through some basic terminology and archaeology, uh, dispelling maybe some misconceptions and teaching some new content if you're interested in learning the basics. Two, I'll be doing interviews with other people like me who have left behind their whole career and decided to run off and become an archaeologist. And if you want to learn how to do that, it would be good to listen to these folks. Or through UCL, I certainly have uh, access to a lot of the who's who in archaeology and can get uh, intros. And so I might do some interviews with them. Three, archaeology porn. Archaeology is not Indiana Jones. You very, very rarely find, uh, you know, that golden statue or that killer object. But sometimes you do. Sometimes it's more than just potsherd. So I want to take a long, scintillating look at some of those objects. Stuff that'll really get you going if you're into archaeology. Archaeology porn. Fourth, living archaeology. As I've said, I'm quite a prolific traveler, and I'd love to bring you to some of these great archaeological sites, and I'll do site visits. So I'll teach you practical tips about how to get there, when to go, how much it costs, but also try to put it in a larger context, both of the time that the, the place is from, but also nowadays. How does it fit in with the people and their culture? I want to bring you there, and I want to bring it to you right in your home. Five, current events. Archaeology occasionally does break through into mainstream news, and I want to discuss some of those hot topics each week as they come up. Figuring this all out, I hope you have patience with me. It's purely a labor of love alongside my coursework. But if you're ready, come join me as we go into the dust. <laughs> oh, that was so corny. Just, yeah, I hope you stick with me. See you next week in episode one. Bye for now. Hey, 
If you like what you heard, give me that thumbs up below, hit that bell to subscribe, or if you want to support more independent archaeology content, consider contributing to my Patreon, where you can enjoy some exclusive members-only benefits and other goodies. Until the next dig. Subscribe, or if you want to support more independent archaeology content, consider contributing to my Patreon, where you can enjoy some exclusive members-only benefits and other goodies. Until the next dig.